0: Live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 10. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode, I am joined by 2021 NCAA Men's Soccer First Team All-American, Big Ten Midfielder of the Year and the first overall pick in this year's MLS Super Draft by way of the University of Maryland, Charlotte FC midfielder, Ben Bender. Ben, welcome to MLS Gone Wild.
1: Thanks for having me, Blake.
0: Of course, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Great. Well, thanks for hopping on. Let's get you warmed up with some mailbag questions from Charlotte FC fans. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) You were born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, which is basically the crab cake capital of the world, So, at MCC Ballantine on Twitter wants to know if you have tried crab cakes at Lulu's yet. He claims that they are the best ones south of the Potomac.
1: I've never tried them at Lulu's, unfortunately. I have have had some pretty good jumbo crab cakes, but when I get back to Maryland, I'm going to have to try that.
0: Have you tried any of the crab cakes down there? Uh, Not south of the Potomac, not
1: that I know of.
0: You you got trust issues. You're just sticking to Maryland. If it ain't from Maryland, you're not eating it.
1: Yeah. Just sticking to Maryland. That's right. All right.
0: So at miles Buchanan wants to know how you're liking living in Charlotte so far. And I'll take it a few steps further and ask how the transition was from moving from Baltimore to Charlotte. And what are some of the things you like to do around town when you aren't training or playing?
1: Um, so far I've loved the city of Charlotte. Um, it's really young, really nice. Uh, I live right outside of the city. Um, the transition was, pretty quick. Um, I didn't really know I was coming here until like a couple days before the draft. So that was pretty, pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I really love it so far. Um, if I'm not training, I, I don't know. I've, I've visited a lot of restaurants. There's so many good restaurants here in South end and, um, in the city. So that's something that I've been doing. And then I'm an outdoors guy, so I, I've been trying to find a couple of trails. Um, I like fishing, so I've been looking for some spots um, in western North Carolina, trying to get my, um, trying to go out to Asheville, hopefully soon. So, um, yeah, that's that's just some of the stuff. What do you like to fish for? Bass, catfish, bluegill? Smallmouth bass is probably my favorite because they fight so hard, um, and they're, they're, river fish so probably probably smallmouth and sometimes trout too see I I like to I'm the easy
0: fisherman I I care more about quantity than quality so I'm like if I can catch a 100 bluegill in a day that's what I'm doing (laughs) rather than chasing the bass
1: yeah it's always exciting uh catching a fish so no matter what it is I agree so for the folks
0: that can't see this right now, cause it's only going to be audio. You're wearing a Charlotte independence training kit. It looks like your brother played for the Charlotte independence. Has that made your transition a little bit easier?
1: I wouldn't say easier, but he, he, he did have a lot of friends down, down here in Charlotte. So, so maybe it did. Um, I've, I've actually gotten together with a couple people that he was pretty close, close with. So, yeah, I mean, this is probably the, the, best spot that I could have ended up in and so yeah I, I'd say it did make it easier so Michael Hubbard on Twitter
0: asks who is your favorite European club and who is one player you look up to in terms of style of
1: play um, my favorite European club is is Manchester United um, I've been a United supporter since I was five I think yeah I think I remember watching Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney and um, in, in 06 and 07. So that was probably my, that's, that's how I got started with United. And then it's kind of crazy, but I like Kevin De Bruyne because he's on Man City, but I, I just think his passing and his spacing and, and the runs that he makes are just incredible. Um, So yeah, that's probably one player I look up to in the, in the premier league.
0: It's a really good player to look up to. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the world as well. What's your favorite song?
1: Oh, that's tough. I, I don't know if I have a favorite song, but something from U2, like Where the Streets Have No Name or, um, yeah, something like that. That's what I've been listening to recently. So they
0: don't give you the auxiliary cord in the locker room is what you're saying?
1: No. Don't. They give that to the to the Spanish guys. <laughs>
0: all right so be careful how you answer this one Baltimore Ravens or Carolina Panthers
1: I've never really been a big football guy oh that's tough probably probably got to stick with the Ravens because I do like Lamar um but I'm definitely going to get out to a couple Panthers games um later this fall so uh, I don't want to give a definite answer
0: you're a smart man all right, so Ben, if you were to write your own autobiography, what would you title it? Uh,
1: titles are tough for me, but you know, I'd I'd probably want to talk about family, humility, and relationships because I think those are the most important things to me. Um, so yeah, something about something about the, the those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. I brought you on here because you're the number one overall pick in this year's MLS draft. And you're talking about family or relationships. And I think that's so cool. Some of the things that I've talked to other super draft picks about is sacrifice and what have your families done to sacrifice their time, their money to get you to this, this point where you're at. So actually this wasn't going to be part of the podcast, but talk to me about that sacrifice of your family and how that's helped you get to where you're at today.
1: Um, yeah. My family has sacrificed so many things for me. Um, started with my parents. Um, yeah, I can just remember them driving me everywhere for, for practices and probably one of the biggest sacrifices was when I was playing for Union um, and my dad would, would drive me like two and a half hours every Sunday to take me. Um, and then we stayed in, in an apartment up there um, and that was kind of really where I wanted to, to pursue professional soccer, it started at that young age at like 13 14 um and so that was a huge stepping stone for me and yeah I'm just so grateful for for that sacrifice um then yeah my brothers too they sacrificed a lot of time to to play on the field with me every time I wanted to go out even when I didn't have my driver's license so um yeah just super grateful for them
0: that's awesome that you're giving those folks credit that's that's really cool Ben So you've experienced so many firsts in your young career over these past few months, but let's start with the day your pro dreams turned into a reality, January 11th draft day. With the first pick in the 2022 MLS Super Draft, you were selected number one overall by expansion side Charlotte FC. So before we go any further, Ben, congratulations, and I have to ask, how did it feel to hear your name called as the number one overall pick in the MLS Super Draft?
1: It was amazing. You know, I, I never thought that would happen. Um, it was just an incredible opportunity. Um, and that draft process was a really big whirlwind. But um, I was just really grateful for that opportunity to come because at one point I didn't even think I was going to leave. Um, but then I got a call from the coaches, and then they were like, Yeah, we, we want to pick you and I was just super ecstatic um, because it's something that I've been working for my whole life. So
0: you mentioned Charlotte reached out and said that they were going to pick you were there any other teams that showed interest prior to the
1: draft? Um, A couple teams did. Um, FC Cincinnati did and yeah that that's about it Um, but I, I think it was after so I was playing attacking midfield, and then I kind of got dropped back into box-to-box midfield, and then I started to play really well in that, um, in my second season, and then I think, one of, like one of my teammates said that the Charlotte scouts were at, at our game, and just kind of got me really excited because my brother had been in Charlotte a couple years before, and I was like, wow, that'd be amazing to move down there and, and finally get to play. Uh, professionally, and came came true, and so I'm I'm just really excited now.
0: I think that's really funny that you just mentioned that FC Cincinnati was the only other team that showed interest, and you know as you know last weekend you guys had the first edition of the Queen City Rivalry, I believe is what we're dubbing it, and you played a huge difference in that match, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I bet you're happy that you ended up on the Charlotte side of this uh, of this match.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't want to say anything bad about FC Cincinnati, but yeah, I mean, every every time you win, it feels good. The game could have gone a a different way. You know, they they're a strong side and they had really quality chances. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be in Charlotte and I think it's the right place for me.
0: They're happy to have you there, too, Ben. Promise you that. So back to draft day with that pick, you became the 50th. Maryland Terrapin, coached by Sasho Sarovsky to be drafted in the MLS Super Draft and the first Terrapin to go number one overall since Mo Adu did it in 2006. In addition to Mo, former Terrapins such as Taylor Twelman, Omar Gonzalez, Rodney Wallace, Graham Zusi, Zach Steffen, Eric Williamson, just to name a few, also saw their pro dreams turn into reality after leaving Maryland. As a former Terrapin, in what ways did Sasho and the Maryland coaching staff prepare you for your transition to the pro game? And what does it mean to you to have your name included in that list of ex-Terrapin legends?
1: Um, you know, I think the, it's the culture of, of Maryland. I think it's the culture that Sasha and, and Jake and Miles and, and how they've created this super competitive, super fast paced game. Um, I think that's super important to prepare college players for the next level. Um, to to make the game fast and um, you know that's it's it's amazing to be included in the list of some of those players because you know i would watch a little bit of eric williamson and and see how talented he is and um, you know all the other great guys and and you know i don't i don't even feel like i should be included in that but it's just amazing to to be playing in, in the mls and you know, just going to continue to work hard and, and yeah, try and and get as good as those guys.
0: So being selected first overall comes with some high expectations and pressure. Add in the fact that you were selected to a club entering their inaugural season, 75,000-plus fans were going to be at the home opener, and Miguel Ramirez thought you guys were, and I quote here, screwed entering the season. As a 21-year-old who, just months prior, wrapped up his sophomore season at Maryland, do you feel the pressure of being the number one overall pick? And if so, how have you been able to manage that pressure and turn it into success?
1: You know, I really don't see it as pressure. Um, I know that there are a lot of expectations for being the number one pick, um, but I kind of see it as controlling what I can control and my my work ethic every day. If I go out there and, and give it 100%, then i'm confident in my ability to get better and over time you know it might not happen in an instance where i get a lot better but you know over time i think it'll it'll work out and i think um playing for miguel he kind of makes it pretty clear what he wants from you so it's not like i have to try and really go outside of my comfort zone and impress it's like i have to do what he asks and play my game at the same time, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's too much pressure.
0: So maybe pressure is the wrong word. It's more of an opportunity for you to go out and prove who you are on the pitch.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And proving yourself on the pitch is exactly what you've done through five matches. One goal and three assists and just three starts and 285 minutes. What a start to your MLS career, Ben Bender. And you were finding the success in a wider position than you played in your time at Maryland. How has your technical ability, style of play, and mentality allowed you to adjust to playing a different position in Miguel Ramirez's system?
1: So, yeah, I, I would say I have played a little bit wider. You know, I played the the first half at Atlanta at left wing, but I think um, we played a 4-4-2 diamond at Maryland, and so I played that left side, so I had a little bit of experience um, with the formation we've played a couple games. So I think that's, that's really helped. Um, but yeah, I'd say my technical ability is, is pretty strong, but like I said about Miguel, he really focuses on spacing and, and specific spots you should be on the field. So I think my technical ability is, is fine, but it's more about thinking outside the box and, and getting into those good spaces. Um, And so, yeah, I think I've gotten better at that over these past two months, um, and he's definitely helped me with that. So I'm just going to continue to do that.
0: Very cool. So I was getting ready to ask what parts of your game you've improved upon most since turning pro, and it sounds like thinking outside of the box and you know more of your creative aspects of the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say it it's easier said than done being in the right position every time because the first you know, three weeks, I'd say everything was moving a hundred miles an hour. And it was like, I I was like, man, this, this isn't slowing down. What's going on? Like, I thought it was going to slow down within the first week. Um, then once we went to Florida, things just kind of got more relaxing. Like I got more relaxed on the ball and was able to try and dictate the game and play my style, um, along with the coach's style. Um, but yeah, I'd say, it, it really takes a little bit of time to adapt. So um, I'd say I've improved in the speed of play and just continuing to be in the best spaces possible.
0: You keep talking about how everything has been flying. Like you've experienced so many firsts since you were drafted first overall by Charlotte FC, you know, first assist, first goal, first wins, first home match for Charlotte FC. Like it's been a whirlwind of a first month of the season, the first two months of your pro career. Have you had a moment to just kind of sit down and, you know, decompress and think to myself, like, wow, this is, this is where I'm at. I was just a sophomore at Maryland, and now here I am.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've taken a day for granted here so far. Like, it, sometimes it, it's tough because it's, it's a lot of work, but it's just been the most amazing opportunity, and um, I'm just going to continue to keep working hard, uh, trying to get better. Um, but yeah, this is sometimes I do sit down and and just think, wow, this is, I'm really playing the game every single day that I grew up playing and I'm just having so much fun. So I want to keep, keep, uh, keep at it.
0: Is there a specific part of your game currently that you're focused on improving on?
1: Yeah, a, a couple things. Um, I think timing of arrival in defending like starting starting to press at the right time and sometimes pinching in to cut off different spaces uh yeah I've been that's probably one of the biggest things that I've been working on because I'm not the fastest guy um so I have to always be on top of you know when to when to step and and when to arrive at the defender or the the opposition That's funny. I like that
0: you brought up defense. You know, you've got that one goal, three assists, 2.2 key passes per match. You name all those offensive stats and you bring up defense. And I think that's really important. You know, you said you're you are used to playing in that that left side of, of the diamond. And that has a lot of defensive responsibilities. And you're getting all of this attention and accolades for what you're doing offensively. But it's so important to be sound defensively as well. So I'm happy that you're working on those things but let's get back to the entertaining stuff. Let's get back to your offensive production and you know, all of your goal contributions and the emotions that have gone with them. So your first ever assist turned out to be the inaugural assist in Charlotte FC history and the 66th minute of your week three match versus Atlanta United. Your outswinging left-footed corner found the head of Adam Armour to level the score 1-1. Talk to me about how it felt to write your name in Charlotte FC history books as the player to record the club's first
1: MLS assist. It was a pretty special moment, Um, you know, coming from, you know, thinking that I didn't even have a chance to be a part of this expansion side to getting my first start and then getting the first assist. It was just a dream come true. Um, You know, people probably won't remember the first assist as much as the first goal. So pretty happy for for Adam Armour because he works hard and He's a great guy, but um, just super happy to be a part of uh, the first goal.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's something you'll never forget. I know you're young, but that's something you'll tell your children and your grandchildren about as well. Sure. But unfortunately, 30 minutes after your game-tying assist, Atlanta United stole all three points in the 96th minute. So as Jake Malrani's left-footed shot found the back of the net, a number of Charlotte FC players collapsed in utter disbelief. Since then, you guys have outscored your last two opponents 5-1 and have won back-to-back matches at home. What does the team's ability to bounce back from that loss in Atlanta say about the mentality of this Charlotte FC team? I think
1: the mentality is is a consistent mentality that if we keep doing things the right way, then eventually it'll it'll turn in our favor. Um, Miguel said some really good words after we we dropped the first three games and you know if you look at all the goals scored against us all of them were either either deflections pks or a wonder strike from uh Efren Alvarez and so we like we were playing well the first three games and then um we just continued to to stay positive um stay consistent in and the things that we, we do well and keep grinding away. And, and it worked out for us these past two games. And we're going to try and keep doing that. I
0: think it's so funny. I, I mentioned the, the preseason quote from your head coach saying that at the beginning of the season, he said, we are screwed. And then, you know, I, I do vividly remember watching you guys come out and play DC United. And there were the two deflection goals and the Ola Kamara PK late. And you guys lost three nil. But I left that match saying to myself, Charlotte FC actually looks pretty good. And they, I thought they played better than DC United. And I've left a lot of your guys' games saying that even the first three where you guys went winless. So I'm like, is Miguel Ramirez playing like mind games with us saying we're screwed? And then they come out and they look like a completely different team than we saw in preseason. So, but speaking of your bounce back from the Atlanta loss in the very next game, you scored your first ever MLS goal versus the 2021 Shield winning New England Revolution. And you did it in style hitting a bouncing ball upper 90 with your weaker right foot. You can argue that if you want. What emotions did you feel after scoring your first professional goal and assaulting your first corner flag at the Bank of America
1: Stadium? That's so funny. Um, It was just surreal. Like, I couldn't believe that it was was my first MLS goal. Like, it was just pure excitement, pure emotion, and it's just kind of – everything felt like a flashback from working hard when I was younger to, you know, grinding at a turf field by myself and, and putting in so much work and um, just having the benefit to, to be coached by so many great coaches and um, get this awesome opportunity. And then to be able to finally score was just something amazing and super special. Uh, yeah, I'll never forget it.
0: That's, that's an amazing answer, Ben. I'm going to clip that. I'm putting that at the very beginning of this podcast. That's, that, that's awesome. It's, you know, it was a culmination of everything that you've went through to get to this point. And that's a tribute to all your coaches, your family. We talked about sacrifice earlier. I think that's that's really cool. I would love to see somebody put like a montage of like a video of you scoring that goal and then flashbacks to old family footage and all that kind of stuff. That'd be really cool. Anyways, I digress. Let's get to your celebrations. So I've seen in some interviews that it's like, okay, I'm going to score a goal and I'm just going to go karate kick this corner flag. Do you have anything else up your sleeve? Or is that just going to be the signature Ben Bender?
1: You know, when I scored my, the, the first goal of my sophomore season in college, I, I, just went to the corner and it was just an instinct that I kicked the corner flag. Um, I had never done that before, but I was just like, all right, I'm going to kick the corner flag and and see how this goes. And then I just kept doing that. And a bunch of my teammates and friends said, when you score your first goal for Charlotte, go to the corner flag and and try and break it. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any plans for other celebrations, but, um just gonna get super excited after scoring goals so i it doesn't look
0: like you have twitter ben bender but i was scouring twitter and uh, a lot of people are saying when is ben bender going to get called up to the u.s men's national team and we're not going to have that conversation right now but speaking of the u.s men's national team there was a celebration the other night sunday night and the u.s men's national team's 5-1 win over panama did you watch that game
1: Uh, yeah, I watched the, some of the second half.
0: Did you see, when did it happen? Christian Pulisic's worm that he did his goal celebration.
1: Yeah, I, I did. That was, that was really funny, but I think he, I heard that he did it for someone in the hospital. So yeah, he
0: dedicated to some kid that was in the hospital, which is awesome. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is, are we ever going to see the worm from Ben Bender or anything weird like that? Can you do the worm?
1: No chance. (laughs) I can pull that off. No way.
0: I'll credit to Christian Pallista because I couldn't pull it off either. And, you know, he, he put his ego to the side and he did it for a, a better cause. So that's really cool of him. So we discussed earlier, you know, the first match against the other Queen City, FC Cincinnati, and how I found it interesting that that was the only other team that might have been interested in you. But one thing I like to do with each player I interview is break down some film from one of their recent matches. So, Ben, for you, I'd like to reminisce on your most recent assist in the sixth minute versus the other Queen City, FC Cincinnati. So, you guys did a great job at beating the FCC press by building from the back. The ball works its way to your left back, Joseph Mora, who then finds you in the half space, talked about spacing earlier, uh, in between the FCC back line and midfield. And then after you played on the half turn and got the ball wide to Daniel Rios, talk to me about the numerical advantages and space in front of you that you ultimately took advantage of to assist the opening goal on this one?
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I was just trying to find that space kind of inside of the, the right back. Um, I noticed that, you know, my movements have usually been to, to go out to the wing, to, um, to try and find it out there. But I, I, I saw that the space was inside this time. Um, I actually kind of had a bad first touch because I wanted to go forward with it, but, I ended up getting the ball to, to Danny. And, you know, we talk about, we talk a lot about uh, numerical superiority and I saw Danny getting collapsed by three people. So usually we would want to go the other way and find um, an advantage. But, you know, Kevin De Bruyne makes those runs in between the outside back and the center back. So I was like, all right, this midfielder is not tracking me. So I'm going to go make this hard run. And I just saw the back post open. Carol was back there. I did get a little bit fortunate hitting it in between or nutmegging. making. Uh, I think it was Jeff Cameron, but yeah, I was just going for that back post ball hard on the ground and it found Carol and, and looked a lot easier um, or it looked harder than, than he made it. Um, but yeah, he, he finished it. And, that was just a super exciting play
0: yeah that was one of my favorite plays to watch this weekend you know recently fc cincinnati's been playing in like a, a 3-5-2 system and on the counterattack, you know you got that ball in the half space and found danny rios and at that point it was 3v3 up front nick Haglund, the right-sided center back for cincinnati stepped to him and then it was 2v2 yeah. um, and then you running free so that made jeff cameron make a decision when to step, when not to step. And regardless of the decision, it was a domino effect from there. So he stepped to you late, which then left one of the guys open in the middle in the 18, which was Carol Swiderski. So yeah, phenomenal awareness from you to see the space and then not only see the space, but just go on a freaking 50 yard run to get to the end line and receive that ball back from Daniel Rios. That's very well done, Ben.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Of course. So speaking of that assist to, to Carol Swiderski, that's your second assist to the DP. He also gave you the hockey assist in your goal versus the new England revolution. What is it about Charlotte's tactics and your connection with Swiderski that is making this combination look so good in these last two matches?
1: Just in training. um, I think it's the repetition of, of banging in a lot of crosses. Um, He's really good at finding spaces in between the center backs and um, yeah, just, just training over and over finding him um, and having the confidence in him to, to put the ball away. So you're talking about training
0: and you, we've talked about Miguel Ramirez as some of his tactics and things he's asking for a lot of the goals that I can remember from the first five games of, of this season, a lot of those goals are coming in transition moments. How important are these transition moments in attacking play? How important are those in in this system?
1: Um, that's an interesting question because Miguel really likes us to add more players into the game. Um, to kind of slow the game down sometimes in the opponent's half, but he also tells us if you see an opportunity um, that you need to speed the game up, then do it. Um, and, and so we've seized those opportunities and um, gone for them and, and they've worked out. So especially in the MLS, because it's super fast and you got to get up in the up and down the field a lot. So those are, those transition moments are really important.
0: Yeah, and, and to your credit, yes, you guys, you guys are a pretty good possession-oriented team. You guys are mid-pack in MLS. You guys average like 49% possession. Not that that really matters. It's what matters when you do have the ball. But let's go back to that the goal that you assisted Carol Swodersky against FCC. That play started all the way back at your goalkeeper, worked it to your right back. And I forget who who was the six that received the ball under pressure, flipped it around their guy. And then found Derek Jones, who then got it wide. Like that was such a ballsy
1: play in zone fourteen to make that move. It was Jordy Alcivar. Um, yeah, I think I think he was actually trying to pass it forward, but somehow the spin on the ball made it come back to him with the wind. It was a really windy day too, and so it was unbelievable how how he did that. Um, but yeah, he beat two people made them go out of position and then Derek got it wide. And then it was just off to the races from there.
0: Yeah. And then it essentially was a transition moment. You guys beat that press and then you were going at them. How, so we've talked about some of the quality in your team and, you know, it takes a little bit of luck, but I'll say it was quality by uh, Alcivar there. We talked about Carol. How cool is it, you know, as a, as a kid that was literally going to be a junior in college this year to play with these guys like Carol Swiderski, full Polish international, and all these other guys that are really quality players with plenty of professional experience.
1: It's incredible. Um, When I got here, I was just watching Carroll shoot and the whip that he puts on the ball is just unbelievable. Like you saw it in the free kick and in the goal, he scored bottom left against new England. Like he just, I've never really seen someone whip the ball like that. Um, But yeah, we have, a lot of quality on the team and it's super cool to see, um, every day in training. So, yeah, thrilled.
0: Cool. Well, your guys' next chance, next chance to show that quality is this Saturday against the Philadelphia union. And Ben, you have a little bit of a a history with the Philadelphia union Academy. Yeah. Who were some of those guys that you're going to be playing against this weekend that Um, you played Academy ball with?
1: Yeah. So, I played with a lot of guys, I think, on the the first team. I, I trained a little bit with Brendan Aronson. Um, did this thing called Next Gen with, with Paxton. Um, he was training up. I was at the U14 team, and he was training up with us. So I uh, played with him a little bit. Uh, Cole Turner was, was actually one of my roommates, so that's pretty cool. Um, hopefully I get to see him. Um, and then Anthony Fontana was uh, is another – Really, really good player. Um, I grew up playing against him and he was just, he was always ahead of everyone else and just super, super talented. Um, And then Jack DeVries, uh, too. So, yeah, I was a bunch of those guys I remember. So, looking forward to playing the union. Yeah. And they play a
0: very similar style to you. You talked about how recently you guys have been playing a diamond in the midfield. Well, the Philadelphia Union play the Diamond, and they they do it really well. So that should be an interesting midfield matchup. And yes. the Union are also a team that doesn't care about having the ball dead last in possession, but you know possession only matter. It doesn't really matter. It matters what you do with the ball. So how is Miguel Ramirez preparing you guys for this Union side?
1: You know, I mean, we've only had one day to train um, some of the stuff that we're doing. So pretty much he comes up with a plan in the beginning of the week, and we're we we're practicing, um, defensive shape and, you know, we're going to try and execute that plan to the best of our ability. Cause we know how dangerous they are, um, attacking on the back line. So, um, maybe we have to drop a couple numbers back, um, to defend them. Um, but yeah, we're just going to continue to, to analyze them this week and, and try and stick to the plan that he gives us.
0: Yeah. It's a big test for you guys. First place team in the East. You guys are on the back end of, you know, a two game win streak. So it should be an interesting game for you guys. You guys will be traveling to Chester PA for that one, 730 on ESPN plus. So be sure to tune in, but Ben you're off to a flying start in your rookie season. Obviously we talked about the goal, the three assists, but what are your goals for the rest of this season? Do you have a number of corner flags you want to karate kick in half? Or are there uh, any accolades you're striving for?
1: You know, not, not really. Um, I'm, I'm just super thrilled to, to play in the MLS for my first season. You know, I said it earlier, I just want to continue to, to work as hard as I can, um, be effective every game. Um, I know there's going to be some ups and downs, and I think a big goal of mine is to, to remain consistent because um, I know that that's really tough to do at the professional level. Everyone's so good, and, um, you know, one, one game you could slip up and have a bad one, um, and maybe that can get your confidence down, but I want to remain consistent and continue to work hard and be dangerous and, um, you know, add to add to the goals of Charlotte and, and hopefully some more assists, too.
0: Awesome. So one thing I was going to ask you earlier in the podcast was, you know, I asked you how you handled the pressure and it's not really pressure, it's more so opportunity. Another thing I was going to ask you is how have you been able to handle the
1: success so far? It's been pretty special the the love from the fans um but you know I've been given some really really good advice um like I was saying if you have a bad game the fans are going to be disappointed um and and you know in professional sports it's it's tough the fans will love you when you do well and and kill you when you're not doing well so um fortunately I've I've had success early on and really thankful for that but Um, just preparing myself for, for when I suffer and, and uh, yeah, so uh, just got to be mentally tough through that too. Yes, sir. Any
0: closing thoughts for Charlotte FC faithful that are listening?
1: You know, the support keeps us going. Um, It's, it's unbelievable the support we've had so far. Um, I guess I'll give the word electric. The the fans are electric and I want to keep seeing that. And hopefully we can uh, keep, keep the winds coming. Um, yeah. We're working hard every day to, to do that.
0: Keep the winds coming, keep the assists coming. And Ben, yeah. next time you score a goal, man, let me, let me see the worm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Blake. Maybe the Cam Newton, Superman, you know, maybe some of that. You're just going to kick the flag. I get it. Ben. Anyways, man, uh, you got a fan in me. You had a heck of a opening start to your, your rookie season. Uh, best of luck in the future. Best of luck going forward. I'm going to continue to watch you, and I hope you have a long, wonderful career in MLS and wherever you end up in the future, possibly even with the USMNT.
1: That'd be amazing. Thank you so much, Blake. Thanks for
0: having me. Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 10, featuring Ben Bender. Be sure to tune into Charlotte FC's upcoming match versus the Philadelphia Union this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Until next time, enjoy all of this weekend's MLS action and remember the name, Ben Bender.